Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a good fit. Learn more right now at parkpower.ca. Have we mentioned recently that we love our children? Oh, so much. So much. And one of the things that we love about them the most is how they are perfect little angels at bedtime and immediately go to sleep. So yes. that so that mom and dad can go and do some adulting and take care of some of their I don't know, responsibilities seems like a like a strong word. Their no. commitments. Uh like to this podcast. Some of them are responsibilities. That's true. like it's our job to make sure our house is tidy, that our kid has lunch the next day, stuff like that mom stuff that I got to do. Some of it's responsibilities. Sure. I swear to God, our kids, well, at least one of them, knows when it's recording night, like on a deep level. And that's the night he decides that he needs to stay up all night. Yeah. He needs to fight sleep as much as possible. Yes. Uh, so that he can disrupt what little scheduling we have for ourselves. <laughs> so that's that's great. So it's a little later than we want it to be, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll power through. Yeah. Yeah. We can do this. Happy uh, Canadian Thanksgiving as well to those of you listening to this episode when it drops. Yes. Because it will be Thanksgiving weekend. Merry thanks, turkey, everybody. Indeed. Probably a, a smaller Thanksgiving than many of you are used to due to the whole ongoing Stupid, situation. Stupid pandemic. Uh, but uh, hey, you know what? A great way to spend a long weekend? Listening to us. <laughs> when in doubt, having, snuggle in with a podcast. Yeah, having a little book club time with yeah. your with your podcast. And so far, dare I say, this book has been pretty good and compelling. Segway oh. into the recap <laughs> of chapter one, I guess. Sorry, I had I had something to say about it, and then the words utterly failed me. Yeah, Nita looked at me and opened her mouth, and I paused to let words happen, <laughs> and then nothing <laughs> and then, happened. And then the words didn't happen. Uh, oh, so dear. maybe it's later than I thought. Indeed, uh, we'll we'll try to get through this. Uh, <laughs> so, just a brief recap in chapter one, we, as we said, began at the end with Tracker in prison talking to an inquisitor of some manner, and regaling him with his story. And he, he gives a little anecdotes that kind of set the scene of the person and the world that we're dealing with. Yeah, a lot of character building in the first chapter. And then we segue into chapter two of Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. So before we get back into the story, 
Um, Tracker kind of sidetracks himself early on here to give a, a bit of a physical description of himself. And one of the big things that he hangs up on, or rather that the Inquisitor appears to be hung up on, yeah. is that he has two, I'm going to say different colored eyes. Maybe? I'm not sure what that means. Yeah, he says that he has one eye that is his and one eye that is not. And he doesn't really give any more explanation than that. And at first I was like, is he suggesting that he's got uh, heterochromia? which is the condition when you have two different colored eyes. Yeah. But nobody else comments on it in any of his anecdotes about his past. So my assumption is that that's a newer development. Mm-hmm. If if that is what it even is. Well, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if it's maybe magic is what I'm saying, because this no, is no. a world of magic. Well, you're assuming two different colors, but it's never actually clarified. For all we know, he could have, like, you know, weird scars or something. Like, yeah, it, it's... I'm I'm sure at some point we will be told what went on with his eye. All we know is that something is up with one of his eyes. Indeed. And he hasn't explained it yet. Yeah. Yeah. What he does explain is more of his backstory. He kind of picks back up from the second anecdote from the first chapter, uh, which is the anecdote where he kills and or cripples his father. Yes. So we've begun at the end, and now we've continued on to the beginning. Yes. Here we go. Tracker explains that after he somethinged his dad because again he does he doesn't even know if he killed his father or if he merely crippled him right this is the choose your own adventure portion yeah it's kind of of his story you know based on the trajectory of this uh part of his tale though i'd be willing to say he probably killed the guy it's possible because he's like visited by his ghost later on but getting to get a little ahead of ourselves yes i'm still confused about that part you're gonna have to talk me through some of it Uh, anyway I i will try carrying on um, at any rate, he flees the city in the night. He draws very little attention to himself and uh, crashes in a nearby ruin and then kind of just stalks off into the wilds to become one with nature and like revert to his tribal self completely unprepared and incredibly foolishly and right. very nearly dies. He just he assumes that he'll just know how because reasons yeah i guess he has all of the rash bravado of a young man full of unearned confidence right i assume that he is somewhere in his mid to late teens at this point yeah yeah and he thinks he's invincible yes and so of course he very nearly dies of course. because of course and while he does not remember what actually happened um apparently he learns later he was bitten by a snake yes a viper yes he gets saved by an old witchman. He calls him a witchman a couple times, so I'm willing to say that that's probably his title. We never learn the guy's name. Hank Tracker is, Tracker is very bad with names. He is. Um, and it actually makes for some confusing moments in this chapter. It does. And I had to go back and piece together, in some cases, who he was talking to when, when he later has learned their name and thinks about them under that name a little more. But the witchman never gets a name. And indeed, as I recall in the cast of characters at the beginning, he's just called a witchman. Um, <laughs> Again, you're saying it like his name is Hank Witchman. He, he so Hank Witchman here <laughs> tells him that he's an idiot for for getting bitten by a snake. Yeah, and and for having wandered off into the woods and just assuming that he would just just know just know what to do yeah. that he that this is how tribal that people was, were, lived and worked. That he was a smart boy who was raised in the city and therefore he can just smart his way out of here in the wilds. Yeah. Except that is not at all how it works. No, because he has no wisdom. Hank Witchman saves his life and nurses him back to health over the course of uh, time, 
couple days, couple weeks, a little knows? unclear. Also tells him a, a wonderful story about how the monkey bread tree, the baobab tree, came to be. I don't know if it's uh, one-to-one parallel to an actual African legend about how the tree came to be, or if it's something kind of built whole cloth for this fantasy world. I'm not too versed in African mythology. I apologize. <laughs> I'm a white dude in Canada. But uh, it is it is a cool story. And then he kind of spends a little while living with Hank Witchman till basically, finally, they're approached by a bunch of the other villagers. And those villagers make it pretty clear that they were watching him in the wilds. They were the reason why he was saved. And they noted that he's got some talent. He's just, he completely lacks skill or common sense. (laughs) And with that, they kind of more or less offer to take him into the tribe. Kind of. Yes? Kind of. of. Like, they're not shunning him. They're like, he's not one of them yet, but they're like, "You, you could be. I had surmised that this was the Ku tribe before Tracker confirmed it later in the chapter. Based on, because I had gone to look at the cast of characters mm-hmm. to find out who the who Hank Witchman was. Okay, yeah. And I was like, oh, these are the Ku. And of course, the Ku are the tribe that he mentions in chapter one that he had intended to seek out because he knew his father had originally come from these people. Right. And he's kind of lucky that they found him. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, apparently. he'd be dead. Quite. So we start to learn a little bit about the tribe as well as uh, Tracker is introduced to them. Uh, one of the first things we understand is that there are different roles within the tribe for men and for women. Yes. Um, they're not segregated per se, and there's an implication that the women have some status, but that men maybe have a higher status and that they have very delineated roles of what they do in the community. Which doesn't really surprise me. Yeah. Not that I am well-versed in various tribal cultures, but it, that that seems to track. At first, there was a kind of an implication that women would have a significantly lower status than men. But when we finally meet a woman, Tracker has an anecdote about him fishing by the riverside. It's the first time he meets uh, his buddy Kava. Um, A woman comes and, like, retrieves them. And she's fierce. Like, she she sweeps into the scene and attracts all attention and just orders them to do something. And they do it. She the pregnant lady? Yeah. Yeah, you don't cross a pregnant lady. So that kind of subverted that initial expectation. And while, again, I believe that women have a lower status than men in this culture, they still have status. Yes. And this is a woman who can sweep in and tell two young men, get in line. (laughs) Get back to work. He regales the Inquisitor and, by proxy, us at this time with, with a couple anecdotes of his time with the tribe leading up to... What I'm going to call the setup for his first hunt. I was going to say, whatever it is this, this chapter is leading up to, yes. Well, it's it's leading up to the setup for his first hunt, yes. clearly. I already mentioned the time that he was trying to catch fish and he met Kava for the first time. Right. And we don't know that it's Kava at the time. He thinks of him as the moon boy for a long time. But we later learn his name. Yes. He also eventually gets taken to meet um, a very important man in the tribe who's not the chief, but is like the wealthiest man in the tribe. He's the man who has the most cows, which gives him a lot of status. Yes. Who's clearly someone who used to be a pretty fine warrior based on kind of the markings that Tracker can recognize on his body. Right. But has kind of is now rocking the dad bod. He's gotten a little <laughs> older. Well, he's he's had his time and now he's resting on his laurels. Yeah. If you will. And he calls himself Tracker's beloved uncle and invites him into his home. And as the story progresses through this chapter, we learn he is in fact Tracker's blood relative. Right? That's, I was confused for a little while. 
even Tracker is confused for a little while. For a time, he thinks that this man must be mistaken or must just be, like, polite. Well, at first I thought, because there was this, uh, that comment about how he had a, a bunch of wives but no male heir. Yeah. Right? And so I thought that maybe he was taking this guy in because he was going to adopt a boy so that he had an heir. Yeah. And as we learn out a little later on... um, Tracker is not exactly a boy in their culture, but we'll we'll get there. We'll that get there. is a weird thing for me. So yes, so then this, as the story progresses, we learn that they are in fact relations, but Tracker wasn't raised to know any of his history. Like his idea yeah. of his family is all screwed up. The man who he knows as his father, and I'm not going to get totally ahead of ourselves here, but the man who he he thinks of as his father purposefully never told him much about his family history. Right. And so Tracker is really kind of blindsided by learning a lot of this later in the chapter. As was I. Indeed. He moves on to another anecdote about a time when some, uh, some men, the implication is some hunters return to the village. Mm -hmm. And at this time, Tracker is more comfortable with their language and their ways. And he's kind of envious of these hunters because he wants to get out there and, and do what they're doing. He wants to go out and hunt and, and be one with the land. And he's like, I want to go and take the Zariba, which is their, their right of manhood. And his uncle kind of like pulls him aside and is like, listen, my dude, the Zariba is for when boys become men. And the fact of the matter is you're a little too old for that because young men in our culture are circumcised before they take the Zariba. And you are not, and you're kind of too old for it. And now, and now you're too old to be circumcised. And so you will never fully be a man in our culture. He goes on to kind of explain the mythological origins for this, but it boils down to very problematic genital mutilation of children. Right. Both male and female. Which is where I had the problem. They, so kind of in a nutshell, in their kind of mythology, they believe that both biological boys and biological girls are born a little bit of both. And they need to kind of cut off the excess parts to make them fully man or fully woman by the time they've come of age. Yeah, by the time they're adolescents, basically. And so because Tracker was never circumcised, he will always be in that village. Yeah, he will always be like the the female aspect has gotten in him. It's all up in him. And so he can never fully get rid of that and therefore he can never be fully man. Now Tracker is devastated by this. This is very bad news for him. But his uncle, to his credit, is like, it's okay, my guy. There is a place in our culture for people like you. You're not unique. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's trying to explain to him that it's not so bad. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's okay. This is, this is not just necessarily... just didn't grow up here. Yeah. It, this is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the role you might have envisioned for yourself is not the role our culture would ascribe to you. And Tracker's still pretty bummed by this. Well, yeah, because you got to remember, he's a teenager, yeah. right? And everything is devastating when you're that age. And I mean, to be fair, we know, we know he becomes a great hunter. Yes. The dude's name is Tracker. He's got the nose <laughs> and he becomes a bounty hunter. Yeah. He he travels to the spirit world and brings back a ghost. A king ghost. Yeah. The guy knows his business. He also implies that he is gay here. Yes, Maybe. I. That's what I was reading into it. I don't know. Well, that's we'll have it. to see if it goes somewhere. I, I also got that implication. And I mean, he fools around with Kava later on. Yes. 
And there's maybe a little bit of an implication sort of. that Kava might be gay too. Right? Again, this is all kind of this is all seems kind of sorta to me. Kind of maybe. Kind of kind of sorta maybe. Yeah. I he didn't talk about it well, enough he, for me to be like, yes, absolutely. It is a little vague. He talks about having female urges, quote unquote. And I read that to imply that attracted he's attracted to men. to men. Right? But again, because the language is a little bit iffy, I'm not 100%. For all we know, he was just going through a curious phase. We will have to wait and see. Yes, we will. Yeah. Which is fine. Speaking of fooling around with Kava, um, <laughs> they kind of do that that night. Uh, because Kava comes to him that night and takes him basically to go and spy on, I'm going to call it an orgiastic rite of passage. That's certainly what it seemed like. For both young men and women. Right. And they kind of watch from the from the bushes and then they kind of fool around. A little bit. Yeah. Kava starts it. Yeah. Which is why, again, I suspect that Kava might be right? gay as well. Maybe. Yeah. But who knows? Mm. We'll have to, we'll wait and see. <laughs> Some more time passes and Hank Witchman and Beloved Uncle both kind of like try to get Tracker to open himself up to the spirits. And for a while, nothing's really happening. But then he starts to get like a visitation from his grandfather. Hey, when you go kill those guys? You, for, need, to, you need to avenge your brother. For killing your brother and and your father. And he's like, I don't. I don't think you know who I am, Ghost. I think you've mistaken me for somebody else. Well, and then it turns out that Tracker doesn't know who he is. Correct. Uh, beloved Uncle, again, taking him aside and is <laughs> like, so here's the deal. Um, the man who you call father is, in fact, your grandfather. And this kind of confirms that he maybe did actually kill his grandfather when he scissor kicked him. Um, <laughs> maybe. Because he's a ghost now. Um, but this guy was your grandfather. And here's the deal. So you were very young when your brother was murdered by a rival tribe called the Gangatom. Straight killed that guy. So your dad was like, I have to get Rowenge on those guys. My son must be avenged. So he went and killed some of the Gangatoms. And then the Gangatoms went and killed him. And then your grandfather, because he was a coward, fled. Rather than continue the cycle of violence. Okay, so I have a question then. Sure. So his grandfather scooped up his daughter-in-law and his grandson yep. and fled Correct. to the city. Yeah. And then took his daughter-in-law as his wife, I guess? Yeah, that would it, it would seem, yes. Sure. Why then would his spirit come back demanding vengeance? Well, he kind of lays it out. Uh, the ghost of grandpa here makes it pretty clear that he's not sleeping easy because the cycle of revenge was not completed. So he's now stuck between worlds with his son and his grandson, Tracker's brother. Tracker's and older brother. Older brother and father. Right. And he's like, you need to go and kill these guys so that we can have our eternal rest. So grandpa's stuck in limbo because he didn't complete the cycle of revenge. So now it's up to Tracker to complete the cycle of revenge. Okay. What does it mean? It means... Omata. It means Rewenge. See, I was super confused about who who the grandfather spirit was, if it was his grandfather or his great grandfather. I'm pretty everybody seems to be pretty clear that it's his grandpa. Both beloved uncle is and basically the rest of the village, because this becomes yeah. talk of the town. Except me, apparently. I'm the only one who got to the end of that and went, Wait, what who? To be fair, the spirits aren't talking to you. I wish they would, because maybe then I would understand it the first time. Fair enough. This is very upsetting to Tracker because it turns his world metaphorically upside down. He even describes how 
topsy-turvy his world becomes in that moment because everything he thought he knew about his life is a lie. Um, and he's right? just discovered that he's expected to go kill some dude he's never met in order to fulfill a grudge he didn't know existed. Against two family members he didn't know he had and a man he hated. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. On behalf of a man he hated, yeah. So he basically, he just checks out. He spends literally days just moping in a corner, right? essentially. <laughs> Just sort of wanders out behind a building and just sits there being sad. Sits there being sad and upset for several days. And I mean, everybody gives him his space because they know dude's grappling with some heavy business Look, here. A whole bunch of information and feels just came flooding in all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, after a few days, he meets back up with Kava. And Kava's like, dude, you need to shake off the funk. You need to get... <laughs> You need to turn that frown upside down. Things are not so bad as that. I will take you to the Zariba. However, if I do, and you don't go and revenge your grandfather's ghost within a month, he says the turning of a moon. Yes. It's about a month. I will kill you myself. <laughs> Which seems fair. And Tracker's like, I, I was told that manhood is not for me. And Kava's like, no, don't worry about that. Are you going to listen to beloved uncle? No, we let's do this. We'll do this. It's all good. Uh, Kava actually gives a little bit of his own backstory here because he's been living by himself this whole time. Uh, he explains his family died of plague and kind of envies Tracker because he's like, you can at least get revenge for your family. Ray Wenge. I can't go and kill the plague for taking mine. Right? That's not how that works. Yeah. And that's kind of where we end off. End of chapter. Yeah. Some uh, some interesting stuff. We we get a lot more about not just kind of Tracker's very convoluted family backstory, Ooh. but also a little bit about the the people of the Ku tribe and their traditions and this their was, people. This chapter was a lot of world building, and it it is it is is rich and crunchy. This world building. Yeah, and if Tracker's a messed up dude, we we now have a pretty good reason why. Well, yeah. But we knew that off the top. Kind of, yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to chapter three. I want to see what yeah. happens next. I'm so glad you're here to explain the ghosts to me. It, I mean, once you kind of figure out who's who in the, the ghosts, amongst the ghosts, who's revenging who and who requires Omerta for who, <laughs> it kind of starts to, to make sense. Yeah, that was my problem, though. I couldn't seem to get it sorted in my well, brain. It's, again... But now it makes more sense. Parts of this are a little confusing up front because Tracker, again, is terrible with names. Mm -hmm. And so, thank goodness, many of the characters have very distinctive markings that he recognizes more easily than he remembers their names. Yes. Uh, and number two, he's confused <laughs> by the ghost vision at first as well. And that doesn't help the situation. No, nor me. Indeed. But it is laid out. Ultimately. And um, my assumption is that this is him telling the backstory of how he became a hunter, because obviously there's someone he's going to need to track down and kill to satisfy this this blood feud, mm -hmm. this grudge with this other tribe. And that will set him up as a great tracker. Yeah. And that will lead into this career as tracker. Yeah. And then we'll go from there onto the, like, I, I want to The story about the boy. Yeah. The immediate story. Yeah. The actual plot. Indeed. I mean, we'll get there. I know. We're, we're still getting into Tracker's it's, history here. It's a thick book. We've got lots to do. Indeed. So with that said, we should probably get into chapter three. You'll want to read up on that in time for next week. 
And uh, in the meantime, the people of the Ku tribe are definitely very communally minded. They, uh, they support one another. And they're even very generous to outsiders who come seeking help. And if you wish to also be generous to people seeking help in your own community, there is a great organization locally that can help you do that. If you're based in Edmonton, though there might be similar organizations in your municipality. Um, and there is a podcast in this case that talks about them. You know what we need? We need some music that underscores your smooth Scott segues, TM. The Well-Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. It's hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink, and it's produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds. The podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. Subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Well-Endowed Podcast. Good people talking about good things going on in a good community. <laughs> Some good stories. Yeah. Some other good stories can be heard right now on many of the Myriad podcasts, which are part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Um, they're not all about Alberta. They're just oh, based in Alberta. Goodness, no. Yeah, so, I mean, there's going to be something there worth checking out, worth your time, worth your, your listening hours, minutes. It is, it is a plethora of podcasts. Yeah. You can check them all out right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. When you find one you like, you can probably subscribe to it on your podcatcher of choice. Oh, most likely. Yeah, while you're there, maybe give us a little rating and a review. That would certainly help us out. We appreciate it. We do. You can also show your appreciation on social media. Yeah. Uh, we are at the read along on most of your major platforms. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. If that's not enough characters for you, and I mean, Facebook has unlimited characters, so I don't know how it couldn't be enough characters for you well, but maybe still you don't want it to be up on a wall maybe you want it to be a little more direct that's true or private and uh, with that you could send us an email we are the readalong at gmail.com and with that said as always we love you very much and we'll see you next time gonna be some manly man rituals going Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.